From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights. And this is Corona Business Insights. I'm Sandra Peter. And I'm Kai Rima. And with everything that's happening, it's quite hard to understand what COVID-19 will mean for the business world. So in this series, we'll look at the economy, business, industry and government, workers and society. And crime, because today we're looking at how COVID-19 impacts on crime and how organized crime reorganizes. So the lockdown that we're experiencing around the world has changed not only the way we work, with many of us now working from home, or the way we live, the way we interact, but it's also changing crime. The way we commit crime. Well, not you and I, Sandra, but people. And there's a very interesting business angle to this, actually, because supply chains for crime syndicates are getting reorganized and there's a digital transformation going on. People are also working from home. While this might sound funny, crime is actually impacted much like other parts of the economy with the shutdown of global supply chains and less travel. The trafficking of both drugs and humans is severely disrupted, which is a good thing. But now organized crime has to find different ways to actually go about their business as well. Indeed. So smuggling supply chains of any type of contraband are being disrupted with no planes up in the air, with no people traveling between countries. And so the Australian Strategic Policy Institute, for example, has put a dossier together which warns Australia that the way in which drugs enter the country is now changing. Traditionally, border forces would look out for large quantities of drugs entering the country, either in people's luggage or by boat. And so the Institute warns that more and more drug cartels resort to what they call micro-importations, that small amounts of drugs are now entering the country through the postal system, and that therefore a whole new approach to actually stopping this trade has to be put in place. It also talks about a power shift because Apparently, Mexican drug cartels, which, believe it or not, are in charge of much of the worldwide drug trade, have their supply chain severely disrupted, whereas some of the Asian cartels, apparently, because the situation with COVID-19 is quite different or at a different stage in many Asian countries, are now in a position to gain market share. Similarly, the fact that all professional and college sports have now completely stopped, it's impacting the money supply for many of the organized crime syndicates. For instance, La Cosa Nostra was getting much of their money supply through extensive gambling operations. That was one of their biggest money makers that now has completely stopped. Drug trade is moving online. There's reports that in Bangkok, where much of drugs are usually traded on the streets because of the lockdown, there's now underground online platforms where people can order drugs and there's now delivery services on motorbike, which will bring drugs to people's houses. So much like food delivery has moved online and to geek work deliveries, apparently the same is true for the drug trade. Or, as is the case in the UK, drug dealers are using actually high-vis equipment and selling drugs in supermarket car parks. So what you're saying is they're wearing high-vis so people can find them and know where to get the drugs? So that they blend in with the essential workers and ah. they're not seen by the police. By the way, the opposite problem is true now for much of police undercover operations. There's less people on the streets, there's less cars in the streets. So it actually disrupts the way in which 
typical undercover or surveillance work by the police forces is carried out as well. Because, you know, they can't blend in as easily. Maybe they should wear high vis as well. And whilst in some cases the lockdown has been good news for the police, so for instance in the UK, in general crime has been down by 28%, that is car theft, it's very hard to steal people's cars from their driveways when people are at home, burglary, robbery, unsurprisingly shoplifting. Shoplifting has been down by 54%. Given that shops are not open, it's very hard to lift from them. The same is true with pickpocketing. If Less pockets are out on the street, less picking can occur. So a lot has to do with the opportunity and the shifts in movements of people who are less out, they're more inside, there's less opportunities for crime to occur. But conversely, because of that, other types of crime have seen large increases. Whilst violence has gone down in places like US and South Africa, where the murder rate has dropped quite significantly, a lot of crime has moved indoors and we're seeing increases in domestic violence and abuse. And there is also, of course, more online fraud with work moving to people's houses and a lot of work now occurring from domestic environments. This leaves the door open for more hacking attacks for people breaking into corporate networks that now extend into people's houses. So there's a real surge in online related crime, both fraud and hacking, stealing corporate data. In the cyber crime space, there seem to be two broad categories of crime being committed. One that has to do with fraud, things like asking for money for testing kits or vaccines or miracle cures, or even blood from people who have overcome the disease, or asking people to invest in companies that are producing vaccines or that are producing face masks, that are producing hand sanitizer. The other class of crimes involves trying to install malware on people's computer, stealing their passwords, stealing their IDs, or just holding their networks or accounts hostage for ransom. So what your examples there point to is that there's a whole class of new crime that is actually COVID-19 related crime that didn't exist in this form before or that is being elevated through the crisis. You already mentioned that there's fraud around miracle cures and things like that. But there's also a real problem with counterfeit testing kits circulating on the market that are being sold to countries that might potentially put lives at risk when tests are not reliable because they've been counterfeited on the cheap to make some money or counterfeit masks that look like real masks but are actually ineffective because the materials are not up to the standards. So these products are entering global supply chains. And indeed, we're also seeing a whole new category of real-life crimes being created by the COVID pandemic. And in Australia, we've seen coughing and spitting, prompting police to change the assault laws to ensure the safety of essential workers. So the category of a coughing assault or a spitting assault that is related to people pretending to or actually trying to infect other people with the virus through those actions. 
There is also now the fear that with increased financial assistance from governments around the world, there'll be increased claims fraud. We've seen this week alone in the US, there are 30 million people unemployed who will ask for this assistance. Many others will take the opportunity to try to also obtain money from the government. Companies receive assistance to keep people employed. In Australia, the JobKeeper scheme is currently being rolled out. There is now an incentive to commit fraud in the sense that people dress companies up, invent employees, and use the urgency with which this is being rolled out and the fact that not everything can be thoroughly checked and controlled, that they're trying to obtain assistance and money in cases where this is not warranted. But there's also the real problem of in certain countries, such as Italy, having millions of workers who are actually working off the books in what's been called the gray economy. The same is happening in Mexico. And these people would not be covered for the loss of their income through the government aid schemes. Hence, they often feel they have no recourse but to commit fraud to try to access funds during the pandemic. Which brings me back to the Mexican armed cartels. There's an article in The Guardian, and it's been reported that even the cartels had to lay off people and had to stop paying them their you know, handouts, salaries, if you wish, and that they are now changing their business model as less money can be made from drug trade. They're resorting to kidnapping, to extortions. And in some regions in Mexico, it's been reported that cartels are actually trying to gain political capital from the local population by handing out aid packages with toilet paper and food that they pay for from extortions from businesses in those same communities or extortions from the government and politicians. So there's now a situation where these cartels become the protectors of the communities that they otherwise exploit. So we'll keep an eye on how crime reorganizes itself, whether that's supply chain redesign or pivoting business models or digital transformation, new competitive advantages or remote work. So we will see whether the hidden parts of the economy will embrace digital transformation and reorganization, much like the economy in general. And that's all we have time for today. We will, of course, put all the links and materials in the show notes. Until next time on Corona Business Insights. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights, the podcast that explores the future of business.